Welcome back to the Foul Balls podcast for the penultimate episode of the baseball season. The final podcast will be later tonight, and that'll be it. So we can finally be done with all of this mess that is September baseball. With the expanded rosters, it's just been really hard to figure out what players are playing with full workloads, what pitchers will be unrestricted. A lot of guys just getting shut down at the end of the season, and a lot of guys fatiguing at the end of the season, making performance more unpredictable. So with all of this mess, I think the only way to really play DFS is to go for contrarian picks that have high upside and embrace the extra randomness because you can't really be sure about most picks. It's it's rare at this point of the season that you have a safe pick. Even Chris Sale got blown up by, by the Blue Jays the other day. Some of the better pitchers in the league have had bad starts recently. I think some of that is just a little bit of an an anomaly, but for the most part, a lot of these guys are unsafe because of reduced workloads or because they're tired or they're tweaking things in preparation for the playoffs. There's a lot that we just don't know. So with that being said, I think it's important to lower volume that you're playing with for baseball DFS in September, just because there is more randomness and you don't want to sink too much of your bankroll into something that has that much uncertainty. But I do think there's a lot of upside if you have the right information and if you can sort of leverage yourself positively against the field. And I do think we have an opportunity to do that tonight. So the big game, the big situation is that the Cubs clinched the division last night and will be resting all of their starters or just about all of their starters against Lance Lynn and the Cardinals. This, this looks like a pretty obvious spot for Lance Lynn at 6,400. His stats for the year, if you use generic statistics, look pretty good, but his peripherals are really bad. So Lance Lynn is 11 and 8 with a 347 ERA and a 122 whip for whoever uses that. And that seems like a pretty good pitcher. Lynn has a track record of being a pretty good pitcher. But this year, it's been kind of a fluke. So Lynn's FIP is 478. His ex-FIP is 473. And his Sierra, which is a little bit more of a comprehensive metric, is 483. It's kind of the same thing as FIP and ex-FIP. I think it's more predictive, but it takes more data to stabilize. Now that we're this late in the season, I think we probably should be using Sierra a little bit more. But either way, all those numbers sort of line up. So Lynn has been pretty lucky this year. He's benefited from a very low batting average on balls in play of 246. And even though he's a decent contact manager, that's that's a lot lower than even his X stats would predict. So given that Lynn is a pretty good contact manager, his BABIP of 297 for his career, a little bit lower than league average, kind of makes sense. But 246 is really extreme. He's also stranding runners at a 78% clip, which is pretty unsustainable too. That's just too high, and there's no way the pitcher of his caliber should be able to keep runners off the board when they're on base with this much frequency. And I guess these things go hand in hand because if the BABIP is low with runners on base, then he's stranding more than he should be, and it all feeds into a much lower ERA than he should have. So Lynn is bad, and he's especially bad against left-handed batters. So Lynn splits for the year. Let's see. I'm going to pull them up because this is pretty alarming. So against right-handed batters, Lynn has a FIP of 361 and an ex-FIP of 381. He's been a good pitcher against righties, 8.3 Ks per nine, 2.3 walks per nine. But against lefties, Lynn has a FIP of 622. His ex-FIP is 588. His strikeout rate is 6.2 per nine, and his walk rate is 5.4 per nine. So he's been as bad as you can possibly be against lefties. 
And the Cubs are running out a pretty left-hand heavy lineup for this game. So none of their, most of their regulars are not playing. The only names that you'll probably recognize here are Ian Happ, Alex Avila, and Kyle Schwarber batting three, four, and five. All of those guys will be batting from the left side of the plate. Ian Happ's a switch hitter, but batting left-handed against Lynn. Leonis Martin and Tommy Lastella batting first and second, also lefties. Victor Caratini, switch hitter batting six. They have Taylor Davis at third base. He's the only righty in the lineup, and then Mike Freeman is a lefty batting eighth. So this is seven out of eight lefties that Lynn will be facing, and it looks like a pretty easy matchup on paper, but when you look at the splits and you look at how lucky Lynn has been, I would not be at all surprised to see him have a really bad game. And I think because the Cubs are resting all of these guys, it seems obvious to use Lynn. And he'll have probably pretty high ownership as a result. I would guess that he's the highest owned pitcher on this slate, or at least close to it. So I'm fully off of Lance Lynn. I, I think stacking the Cubs makes some sense. And as far as the line movement for this game, the Cardinals opened at minus 187 after the news of... The Cubs resting all of their players, I guess, not really news because kind of just safe to assume this would happen after they clinched the division, and the total was at eight. So the total was initially bet out to seven and a half. The Cardinals line was bet up a little bit. I think it reached minus 200. So that's the public obviously reacting to the Cubs not having their full lineup. But then what happened is the line started to change. So now the Cubs have dropped from where they were about plus 180 to somewhere in the 150s. The total went from seven and a half back up to eight. And this seems pretty clear to me that it's a sharp move. So the public is kind of on the Cubs side, but I think it's just a matter of no one betting St. Louis really. It's sort of a quirky line and it's kind of hard to trust the public breakdowns in games like this where you have unusual circumstances. But there are more money line dollars than money line a higher percentage of money line dollars than money line tickets on the Cubs. And the total dollars on the over is pretty heavy too. 80, 86% of the total dollars bet here are on the over. I think that both of those spots, especially the over though, look like sharp action. So the indicators here favor the Cubs and it just, it, it helps a little bit to solidify this position that it's a bad spot for Lance Lynn and I wouldn't use him, even though 6,400 for a guy with a 347 ERA against a bad lineup seems like a great spot. I think it's actually the opposite. I think because of the aforementioned ownership issues or the ownership strategies that are kind of the only way in my mind to take advantage of this late season, noisy, expanded roster, whatever mess that we have going on, I think that this all sets up well for Cubs sacks to do very well if Lynn has a bad game, and I think it's reasonable that he would have a bad game because of all of the reasons with the left-handed batters and Lynn just being bad. So that's what I have for that game. I think that's the most important game to talk about on this slate, and it's the most important game as far as the Vegas line moves also. There are a couple other notable factors going on. We have a lot of rest, and I don't actually think every team has released their lineup at present time. Most of the games start pretty early tonight. The latest game is actually the Tigers and Royals at 8.15. And we do have a Royals lineup out now, and they were expected to rest some guys, but they actually have a full lineup for tonight. I think the only guy sitting is Mike Moustakis. So I was considering Daniel Norris for the Tigers as a decent play for cheap if the Royals were resting some of the regulars. They're not playing for anything anymore. But the Royals do have most of their guys in there, and Moustakis, who's a lefty anyway, against Daniel Norris, who's a lefty. I don't think that this is an upgrade for him. So nothing to say here about the Tigers and using Daniel Norris, but 
there are some notable rest spots that actually are occurring. So Sonny Gray gets a matchup against the Rays, who are sitting out three of their key regulars. Kevin Kiermeyer is out. Logan Morrison is out. And Steven Souza is out. Those are three of probably the four best hitters in the Rays lineup. And the bottom of their order tonight without those guys, Brad Miller is resting too. So the bottom of their order without those guys is pretty bad. Six through nine, you have Adiani Hachavaria, Daniel Robertson, Cesar Puello, and Peter Borges. It's a pretty brutal stretch there, or friendly if you're the pitcher. And the top of the order isn't great either. I mean, Malik Smith is a decent hitter, probably not a good one though. Corey Dickerson strikes out a ton. And then Longoria, Duda, and Ramos is probably the most that you have to worry about. So it's a good matchup for Sonny Gray. I think his price is probably fair, but given that there are cheap stacks like the Cubs to use, for DFS purposes, I think Sonny Gray makes some sense. I think his ownership could be pretty high. I don't think it'll be as high as Lance Lynn's though, because there are fairly expensive offenses, including the Houston Astros who are quote unquote on fire lately. And I think the high priced offenses will sort of sap the ownership on Sonny Gray. So he won't be low owned for sure, but I think that there is some value there with the weaker offense that he's facing. So I like Sonny Gray. He's probably the only pitcher that I feel truly comfortable with for this slate. As for a number two pitcher, so if you're not using Lance Lynn, the decision for who to pair Sonny Gray with I think is really tough. So here's what we've got. Danny Duffy probably has the easiest matchup of any guy. He's facing the Tigers at home in Kansas City a decent pitcher's park. The Tigers do hit lefties better than they hit righties, but they're not a very good offense, and a lot of those lefty-righty splits have come with Miguel Cabrera in the lineup. They obviously came earlier in the year with J.D. Martinez in the lineup. Cabrera, I don't think, is active for this game. Martinez obviously is not because he was traded to the Diamondbacks. So Duffy could have a pretty easy matchup. I'll double-check here for Tigers lineup before committing to that. But I think Cabrera actually was officially ruled out, so we won't see him. And the only real, the only scary guys to worry about probably are Nick Castellanos, Ian Kinsler's kind of been bad this year, and Mikey Matuk's a good hitter, James McCann's a good hitter, but overall it's just not a very good lineup. So regardless of what the Tigers throw out there, without including Miguel Cabrera, it's just. It's not, it's not going to be a good lineup, and it's a pretty easy matchup for Duffy. So the price there might be a little steep, but depending what this Tigers lineup actually looks like, it could be a bargain. But at the very least, I think it's a fair price. So Gray and Duffy looks like the safest pitching combo. And if you're going really contrarian at offense, I think it's fine to have safe pitching. As for low-owned pitchers, though, there's not really a lot to like. I was hoping to be able to get some Eduardo Rodriguez against maybe a resting Astros lineup, but they're playing all of their regulars. Ivan Nova gets the Nationals on the road with Trey Turner, Ryan Zimmerman, and Bryce Harper all out. But Nova just doesn't get enough strikeouts. I don't think there's tons of upside there, and I don't think he's that safe at that price because the Nationals still have Daniel Murphy. They still have Anthony Rendon. They still have Howie Kendrick. It's not a terrible lineup. It's a bad one, but it's not, it's not the easiest matchup in the world for Nova, and it's a road game. So not my favorite pick there. Uh, I think... If you want someone else who's not Duffy to pair with Gray, I think you have to go even cheaper. Sean Manaya has an interesting matchup on the road in Texas. They may be resting starters. We don't have their lineup. Uh, we actually do have their lineup. So let's see. Adrian Beltre is out. I think he probably – I think he's been ruled out for the season at this point, which kind of makes sense. He's 
old enough that they don't want him getting re-injured. He was dealing with a calf injury for a couple weeks, and they have nothing to play for. So Ryan Rua is in their batting fourth in Beltre's spot, and it looks like a pretty weak lineup overall. We don't have Robinson Chirinos in there, who's probably one of the better catchers in the league at hitting left-handed pitching. And Joey Gallo is playing, but he's a lefty. That's some strikeout potential for Manaya. I'm not too worried about Gallo's home run upside. I mean, he might hit one just because he might always hit one, but it uh, it's... It's it's not the worst thing in the world for Gallo to be in there when you're stack when you're using a pitcher against that offense because the strikeouts are there too even if you have the risk of giving up home runs and trying to figure out who else is missing from this lineup there's no Mike Napoli there's no Carlos Gomez there's no Chirinos and there's no Beltre so it, it is a pretty weak lineup the Shields Andrews Mazzara Gallo there's not really much else to like there Will Middlebrooks batting sixth. When you when after the sixth spot in the order, it's just not a good lineup. Willie Calhoun is a really good prospect, but he's also left-handed. So this is I think this is a pretty easy matchup for Manaya. And after looking at this more, I think he's probably my number two pitching option. It is a tough park downgrade going from Oakland to Texas, but this lineup just isn't very good, and I think he can do well against them despite the struggles that he's had this year. I think there's some upside for him just because he's so talented and he's he's had some big strikeout games in the past and sort of the recent past. So that's probably it for pitchers. I think you can go gray with Duffy. I think you can probably go gray with Manaya. I think that's my preferred combination. And there's really not much else to like at pitching. I probably wouldn't fault you for using just about anyone with Sonny Gray. So let's let's talk about offense because that's a little bit easier of a conversation. So I like the Cubs for sure. I figure I see them being very low owned because of how high owned Lance Lynn figures to be. But as for other offenses, there are a few other interesting spots. So Julio Teron has been pretty good lately, and the Marlins struggled offensively in their recent series in Colorado. So I think we'll see some suppressed ownership on the Marlins offense, and it's a good offense, and it's especially good for DFS because they're extremely top-heavy. The bottom of the Marlins order is pretty bad, but Gordon, Stanton, Yelich, Ozuna, and Bohr that's a potential winning stack any night, and Tehran's not exactly a good pitcher. So I like that spot a lot. I think you'll get them at lower ownership than usual because of the recent struggles, because of the recent surge that Tehran's had. I'm not really buying into it. Tehran's had some pretty easy matchups lately. And JT Realmuto and Derek Dietrich at 6-7, and seven, not the worst plays, but that, that top of that order is dangerous. So I, I think using the Marlins makes sense. I think... After the Cubs, that would be the team I use the second most, although they're a decent amount more expensive. So you probably need to use Manaya if you're using Sonny Gray and using the Marlins. And there are a couple other good offensive spots. The A's are in Texas against Miguel Gonzalez. The Angels are in Chicago against Dylan Covey. That's a really strong matchup. That could be the highest-owned offense tonight. So I might stay away from the Angels there. I'm not sure. We also don't have a lineup for them yet but at the very least I think it makes sense to use Mike Trout as a plug just because Mike Trout is always good he's the best player in baseball and Dylan Covey's bad so even if you're not stacking the Angels getting some Mike Trout exposure seems like a good idea and go back to line movement quickly because we've got a few updates so the Pirates line has dropped a good amount that makes sense with the Nationals resting a bunch of starters against them the total has dropped a good amount too with the public betting the over, but I think the public probably just bet the over before they knew 
that the Nationals would be sitting all of their guys. The Marlins are actually seeing some really strong line movement. So they were plus 105 at opening. They're now at minus 25. So that's a pretty strong 30 cent move. And they're only receiving 42% of the money line bets. Seems like the Sharps definitely like the Marlins. That certainly solidifies the argument that the Marlins are an undervalued play against Julio Tehran. Definitely like that offense a lot for DFS. No more movement in the Cubs-Cardinals game. We're seeing a good amount of sharp money on the under in the Yankee game. That sort of makes sense with the Yankees offense just being a little bit overvalued. I'll, t- I'll take back my previous point on the Angels being the highest on offense. It probably will be the Yankees. They've been really good lately. There's always a New York bias that bumps up Yankees' ownership. They're a really good offense overall. Jacob Faria started the season really strong, but he struggled down the stretch in his rookie season, maybe fatiguing a little bit. But I just I don't like the Yankees a ton just because everyone's going there. And there's also this sharp action on the under, which favors Sonny Gray, and it also hurts the prospects of the Yankees' offense. The public is 65% on the over, but the total dollars bet on the total in this game, 71% of the dollars on the under to 29% on the over. So the big bets are coming in on the under, and I think this is a good indicator that we could expect a lower scoring game than most people think. There's no movement on this on the money line here, though. I, I don't think this is a sharp bet on the Rays. It's just both offense, both offenses should underproduce a little bit, and I think that'll do it for line movement. We are seeing actually a little bit of a drop to the total in the Houston Boston game. Might just have something to do with the Astros being on a roll lately, and their price is just it's a little excessive. Their DFS prices and also their money line price Mookie Betts is in the lineup so it's kind of strange to see the total dropping in a game where he was questionable and now is playing but yeah I'll just leave it at that it's an indicator of lower runs but I'm not exactly sure why and the last movement is the total has risen in the Angels White Sox game despite fairly split public betting on the total so just another indicator for more offense, but I think we already knew that this game should be sort of high scoring with Dylan Covey going against the Angels offense, who's pretty good, and Covey is not good. The Angels are going with a bullpen game, so don't really know what to expect there. Not sure which relievers are pitching. The Angels were mathematically eliminated from the playoffs, so maybe the implication here is that after Bud Norris pitches two or three innings, they'll use some lesser-known relievers that are worse in quality than the guys they would normally use if they were trying to really win this game. And actually, before I wrap this up, we're seeing even more line movement on the Cubs. So they're now down to plus 143. Even though the public is on the Cubs, I think this is also a sharp move. And again, I think this is another another line move that solidifies where we were already going here, that The Cubs' offense is really undervalued against Lance Lynn because mostly he's just really overvalued. And I like the Cubs a lot. I like the Marlins a lot. So that's where I stand as far as DFS picks. Those are my two favorite offenses. For pitcher, I like Sonny Gray, and I don't really like another pitcher. But I think Sean Manaya is a decent flyer. I think Danny Duffy, if you have the money to pay up for him, is a pretty safe pick. And... That's about it. So thanks for listening, everyone. The last podcast of the baseball season will be recorded later tonight. You can hear that tomorrow.